There's been a lot of discussion around artificial intelligence and how it might be taking your job, how businesses are laying people off and replacing it with applications like ChatGPT and other AI-type applications. So what do we do about that, and how do we ensure that it doesn't take our jobs? That's what I'm talking about here today. See you on the other side. of our lives inside either in traffic at work or close eye how about we all agree that is way overdue to take back our lives So welcome to the Work River Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about automation, AI, the ability to work wherever so you can live every day like it's Saturday. And what I mean by that, let's break down that first. Why you're here, what it is that we talk about, and how it's very different than the narrative that's being pushed in today's news cycles. So... The ability to work wherever is not the ability to stop working. That's very, very key to understand. The the remote work revolution, if you will, or the remote work push, or the remote work trend, if you want to call it that, is not this idea that people who work from home don't get anything accomplished because the statistics show that the people who work from home are actually more productive and put in more hours than their traditional in-office counterparts. So it is not the idea that they are working from a couch or working from bed or doing these things. So that is the very first portion of this. So the ability to work wherever is made up of communication platforms, a human-centric design, innovation around your processes and systems and then putting the right things in place to ensure that that business data and uh, your processes get carried out and that's typically done through technology now i suppose you could do it absent of technology through the mail or or uh, something like that but that's not what we're really talking about so what we're talking about is those key aspects that I talked about. Innovation, human-centric design, okay, systems and processes. That's what we go over on this, on this show, and it's all built around technology and how you can utilize modern technology to build a better product, for, but it's all still human-centric, okay? But you're building a better product for your user base. Somewhere along the lines of us starting this podcast and getting to where we are now, it has become artificial intelligence replaces all or has the capability to replace all, which has become extremely dangerous, not only for the narrative of this podcast and what we're trying to push for or advocate for, but for the blue-collar and everyday American 
who simply wants to own their own freedom. And so today's podcast, we're going to talk about what is human-centric design. And if you're just turning in for the first time, well, thank you for, for checking us out and welcome. We have four different flavors of this podcast. We have Roy's Rants, which is me and a solo, which welcome to that episode here today. We have a cruise the, uh, well, it's, what do we call it? Internet hotspots is what we call it, where... Um, Sydney and I go through the internet, we browse the internet, cruise through it, if you will, to pick out articles that I have not seen, that are picked by her, and then we have a conversation around those articles. Uh, we poke fun, we, uh, we have fun with them, right? But it is a serious discussion still around the fate of technology in today's modern day. But those are, you know, we're a little more lighthearted. We have the homegrown episodes, which is me and my wife talking about the ways that you can build a business integrate technology into your everyday lives so that you can do things like homeschool your kids, travel, and, and live a life of purpose. The last uh, one that we have is our interviews. So we have members on. We do those about once a month where we have people on, and we do an interview process uh, like every other podcast out there where you're interviewing and you're talking about some topic, and we have people come on. We don't do those very often, but when we do, we make sure that there are people who are going to uh, give you guys some real information and some real um value to, to the listen to the show. So thank you for checking us out. And today you get me. And we're talking about human-centered design. And you've probably heard me say human-centric or human-centered a few times uh, on this podcast. And so what I mean by that and what the, or the original uh, definition of a human-centered design or human-centric design and how it correlates with things like the ISO standards, which if you guys are my government Garys out there, and if you don't know if you're a government or Gary or not, go to goworkforever.com and take your free, free personality assessment. But if you're for my government Garys out there, you guys are well aware of ISO. And so ISO is a standard that has to do with systems and processes. It's the uh, International Organization for Standardization. And it is, when we're talking about standardizations and we're talking about governance and we're talking about the way things should and shouldn't be done, ISO has long been the one that has regulated that. When you're building, when you're talking about governance, when you're talking about best practices, when you're talking about standardization, when you're talking about templates, we're talking mostly around ISO standards. Now, everybody has their own idea of what is to you know, take place, what is to uh, be viewed as best practice. Everybody has their own uh, methodologies. We are no short of that at Capital Presence. We have our own governance standards and we have our own methodologies, but it, mostly we adhere to ISO. In fact, as government contracting agencies, we have to account for ISO and we have to account for NIST and and PII, which is personal identifiable information, and all of these things, right? So this, we still play by those rules because we do business with the federal government. And when you do business with the federal government and you're overseen by Uncle Sam, you have to make sure that your ducks are in a row and all things are good. Okay, but, but when I talk about human-centric design, I talk about, talk about the ability to get information as quickly as possible from your systems, your databases, your, your, your processes, your standardizations, your reports, all of that, and present it to a human so that a human can make an informed and intelligent decision that only a human can make. You see, a bot, artificial intelligence, and a lot of this wave and this craze that we've seen over the last six, seven months, 
Uh, artificial intelligence has always been there. But for whatever reason, the last seven months, all of uh, Instagram and TikTok cares about it now. So with the release of ChatGPT, this has further pushed the idea that artificial intelligence can make a non-human-centered or human-centric decision. So we have, some, for some reason, changed the approach of, instead of it is the machine gathering as much information as possible and presenting it to the human to make a decision, it is the human now that is uh, positioning information and scripts and uh, content to the machine so the machine can then make a decision. And that's dangerous. That is the exact opposite of the purpose of human-centric design, human-centered design, and the ISO standards. That's not what we want as a business. So if you believe that you can take on these ChatGPTs, these artificial intelligence, these AI bots, and bring them on into your business to replace humans, you are flawed in the way of your thinking. And depending on which news outlet you listen to, you might think that this is the way that we are all headed. It is not the way that we are all headed. It might be the way that certain organizations or certain individuals or certain political parties might want you to move to. But it is by no means the correct course of action for human existence. So let's dive into a little bit of human-centered design, which is different than the human-centric design that I talk so much about. And so human-centered design, or HCD, because this is a real thing out there, guys. Okay, Human-centered design, it does utilize the ISO standards. And so uh, that is what I had talked about a little bit earlier, where the ISO standards are talking about what it is for governance and... and uh, how you go about standardizing your policies and procedures and how you go about your SOPs from a military people out there. Government Gary's, you are well aware of what an SOP is, but for my innovators, an SOP is a standard operating procedure. And so this human-centered design is an approach to problem-solving commonly used in process and products, services, systems design, UX, UI, management engineering frameworks, okay? I have a good buddy who actually came and did a, a full presentation to my team. Uh, his name is Miles Kemp. I'm going to have him on the show. And he owns a, uh, a business that specializes in human-centered design of UX, UI, and applications. So when he talks about design, he talks about this as an approach to interactive systems and development that aims at making systems usable and useful by focusing on the user of the application, not on the requirements. So there are requirements that happen from the design and development team that say, we want it to look like X, Y, and Z. We want it to function in this way and that way. We believe that it should function like this. But a, taking a human-centered design takes a look at the research of the usability from the user's perspective to say, what does the user actually care about? What are some things um, uh, that users typically do? How do how do members of our target audience, of our persona group, actually use the web, actually use applications, actually use uh, technology? And so the human-centered design builds upon this interaction research from members of their persona group. And by moving beyond the participants of the development team and involving users of their persona bases, they're actually able to build a more uh, productive, adapted, and uh, successful application or piece of technology. 
This is human-centered design. Whereas we are going through the development process and we ensure that the user is at the center of it. Not the development of the application, not the release, not the version, not the whatever. It's the user. And so when you take that approach into your business, so oftentimes, or at least of late, we have taken a look at the process and put the process in the center and say, we need X accomplished. But when you do that, when you take the application or we take the process and put it in the center of, of, the, of the puzzle here and everything else revolves around it, then you do have this false impression that artificial intelligence can replace the other elements around the wheel. Because why wouldn't they be able to? It's not the center. It's not the sole purpose of what it is that you are trying to accomplish as a business. So instead of looking at your system or your process as the center of the wheel, of what you're trying to accomplish as the center of the wheel, instead you should look at the individuals, the people within your business and your user base. Now, I'm speaking in terms of user base as if it is an application, but you can also look at the user base as if you're your customers. So when you put your customers and your employees in the center of the wheel, humans in the center of the wheel, you realize that you cannot take humans out of the equation because that's the center. That's why we're here. That's what you are looking to accomplish is a better human experience. And so you cannot replace a better human experience with artificial intelligence systems and processes. Systems, processes, and autom uh, automation and artificial intelligence is there to support the center of your wheel, which is humans. If you take a look at it in any other way, you're going to end up with bot on bot, okay? Robot on robot, system process on, on automation, and then you have completely removed the human element of your business. And so now you're taking a look at your business and you're saying, in order for us to get our process out the door quicker and better and faster, we need to replace uh, humans with artificial intelligence, with uh, emails with automation, with X, Y, and Z with robots. And so now, yes, you have pushed your SOP out the door quicker, better, faster. You have reached point A to point B quicker, better, faster. But the human element and experience has severely dropped which is what I was talking about when I was going through the Carvana experience, which is what I was talking about when we were going through the Expedia experience. These companies are starting to remove the human element from their applications, from their businesses, and they are replacing it with standards. Oh, well, I can't do that because of policy. Well, what is your business built around? Is your business built around completing and fulfilling policy or is it built on a customer and a user experience because one of those is a winning tract one of those is going to create a loyal customer base one of those is going to uh, turn into repeat customers the other is just going to lower your 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 opex your operational expenses so Businesses have long looked at through the cloud revolution, and the cloud revolution has just been moving things off of your own servers into somebody else's. That's all it has been. It's you're, you're moving from own to rent. 
Okay. You have moved from, I own the servers, they sit in a back room where there's air conditioning and lighting, and I have to pay somebody to maintain those servers so they don't catch on fire, because guess what? Servers catch on fire to replace those blades when they do happen. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to worry about a power outage anymore. I don't have to worry about uh, disaster recovery or backups or any of these things in my physical location. I have now contracted and utilized other people's servers. Now, those other people's servers could be Microsoft Azure, AWS, Google Cloud. You know, in, input your cloud environment here. Okay, The cloud is just somebody else's servers somewhere else that you connect to via the Internet. And now they, they own you, by the way. If you are building something that goes against their standards, they could take you down. We saw that with uh, some of the social media platforms under the, the Trump administration, where there were certain applications who were getting kicked off of, uh, I believe it was AWS, for uh, not adhering to certain standards. That's a very dangerous thing. Which is why I believe that with this automation and with this artificial intelligence, like boom, super boom, that we're going to start to see more businesses kind of pendulum swing their way back over to owning their own servers again. For various reasons. You want to collect the data. You want to own the data. You want to house the data. You don't want to lose the data. You spend a lot of money to get that data. You want to make sure that you have it. Because data is the new oil. In the world that we live in, the more data that you have, the more information that you have, the more influence you can have over your user base, which plays into the human-centered design, but it is money. You can sell those lists to uh, marketers. You can build persona bases. You can um, influence your target market better, quicker, faster. If you knew what they liked and what they didn't like, where they shop and where they don't shop, you know where to reach them. If you know where to reach them, you know where to sell to them. If you know where to sell to them, you know what to target them. Okay? So data is the new oil, has been for a while. In fact, I've said this before on the show multiple times that there are more bits in the cloud than there are grains of sand on the earth. Now, whoever figured that out, I don't know. I'm just telling you the idea. There's a whole math equation behind it, I promise you. But And it's not even close, according to the reports. It's like seven to nine times more bits of data than grains of sand on the earth. So it's not even like, well, is it possible? I don't know. No, it is like there. We're there. We are a full cloud global world enterprise by now, really controlled by four or five companies, which is scary in a sense. Now, human-centered design. You have your data. It's in the cloud. Maybe it's in a server. Okay. Are you building your systems and processes utilizing that data around people? Or are you building your customer base around your policy and your SOPs? That's what you need to take a look at. Human-centered and human-centric versus process-centered and policy. Now, the more that you look into human-centered design from an ISO standard... So there is a, uh, I do actually have the ISO pulled up here for me. It is ISO 9241-110 principles of human-centered approach. And so the wheel that I'm talking about here, users is at the middle. And so the ISO standard human-centric design approach of uh, ISO 9241-110 
is context of use is at the top. At the right, it is users and organizational requirements, policy. Design solution, there at the bottom of the wheel. And then the left of the wheel would be ev uh, evaluation. So I I wonder if I can I can pull this up. Because I'll, if it's for my YouTube people out there, I will uh, I'll, I'll pull it out. And it looks like I can. All right. So there is the wheel. So hopefully my YouTube people can, can see that. But it is a... Think of it like a compass. So you have north, north, east, south, and west. And so north would be context of use. East would be users and organizational requirements. South would be design solution. And then west would be evaluation. And so when we are going through those, if you take any of those and put them in the center, then we're losing. Over the last 20 years, the idea has around development teams has been to move user and organizational requirements to the center. Is what we're building and what we're rolling out the door meeting the requirements of our customer? Is what we're trying to accomplish actually what we set out to accomplish in the beginning? We put that in the center. And when we do that, we remove the human element. We replace with artificial intelligence and AI. We fire and we let people go based on things that are not hitting and not meeting the requirements. Are the user stories getting hit? Are we functional? Are we meeting all the requirements? Nobody's really asking, should we meet the requirements? They're asking, are we meeting the requirements? That is one of them. The, 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 the south is design solution. The design of the solution, does it meet our user base? If we put that in the middle and we say, well, no, no, I wanted red or I wanted blue and I wanted drop downs and I wanted to flow and function like this. Okay, but should it flow and function like this? Will users actually participate in the application, the process, if it is built that way? Next would be context of use. So in what way are members utilizing the application? If we put that in the middle, then we're totally focused on the context of the application. We just wanted to solve X, Y, and Z. We wanted to process this paperwork faster. Okay, but who is processing the paperwork? How are they pro processing the paperwork? What are the requirements? What's the design? But it all comes back down to who is processing the paperwork, if we're talking about context. It always comes back to the users. And then it comes back down to the evaluation. How are we evaluating the application or the process or whatever it is that we're building? How are we evaluating it? Because so oftentimes we start to evaluate things based upon user requirements. Does it meet of all of our requirements? Whereas our evaluation should be around the users. How do the users feel about this? Because when I was talking about Expedia, and Expedia is saying, you know, we followed our policy. And if that's the way that they're evaluating their interaction of their bots and my experience, then they're they're going to come away looking at the way that they screwed, totally screwed up my trip. They're going to take a look at it and say, well, we followed our policy, so great job, everyone. Let's get just, hey, 
we followed the policy. We hit the we hit the requirements. The requirements was if you book the travel and it hits send, then that's what's good. So that the app worked. The app, but the, and that's what they kept saying. And if you want to listen to the whole thing, you can go listen to the Expedia. I don't I don't mean to get down down that road again. But they had said they kept propping up their application around the requirements as the center of their universe. Whereas they're saying if the app failed, how did the app fail? And I'm look, this is how it failed. User experience is the center. And so this design from an ISO standard, the design is based upon explicit understanding of user tasks and environments. Okay? Understanding users, tasks, and environments. So tasks associated with the users, with the applications, and then environments. And which way are the users using the application? Which environments are they partaking and in interacting with your systems and processes? Users are involved throughout the design and development. Users are. They should where you start and where you end. And they should be thought of through the entirety of your process of design. And then design is driven and refined by human-centered evaluation. This is where we're lacking right now with this ChatGPT approach. Whereas we are taking this ChatGPT artificial intelligence approach to say, hey, you do the design element for me, and then I will take that and I'll make it fit my my verbs. You know, I don't use that word, so I'm copy, paste, send it out. But what the AI is not doing, the AI is not taking a user-centered evaluation. The AI is taking a previous response evaluation. What have I been taught to say? What is the acceptable response? That's what it is sending through. It's not sending through what is the, what would a human think is the best way to evaluate this. They're not thinking about that. It's not really thinking at all. A chatbot doesn't actually think. It is neither uh, artificial nor intelligent. It is a parrot. It will tell you what you want to hear because based on others that have said that similar response, if it gets enough thumbs up, it's going to send you that message, and it is taught that way. It does not have the same type of learning and intelligence that us humans have where we're able to consider alternative solutions. The bot does not think that way. The bot, if you say, go get me a picture of a red bird, it knows which birds are red, and it will give, send you a red bird. That doesn't mean that that bird is totally red. It doesn't mean you're going to get a cardinal. It might have a bird with a red stripe on it. But And if that's what it was taught is the red bird, then that's what you're getting. There is zero human element to the design when you're using artificial intelligence. And that's where if you think that you're going to replace some of your employees with artificial intelligence, you're wrong. So the design addresses the entire and the whole user experience from beginning to end, how they think, how they want to be how they want to be treated, how they want to interact with this application. And the design team who is developing your systems process application web design experience, it needs to include a multidisciplinary skills and perspective in, res in respect to your user base and persona. So you need to understand your personas. You cannot just uh, build out the systems, processes, and policies for your business and think that you're going to replace the human elements here with artificial intelligence and bots. Because, like I said, based upon who you listen to, you would think 
that this is the appropriate course of action to implement artificial intelligence technology in as many places as possible. Me, as somebody who's been building bots automation for the federal government, mind you, for the last decade plus, the position of the federal government when taking action on automation and artificial intelligence within its walls has always been people. That doesn't mean that that's always been their viewpoint external to their walls, but inside their walls, it has been, we cannot replace people, at least our people. If there are contractors we can replace, cool, let's do it. Those aren't actually our people. But if they're federal government employees, it is there is too much red tape, there is too many questions being asked, there's too many hands being raised around why are we replacing this individual? Is this totally a monetary decision? Why are we doing this? And those are the same decisions and the same questions that we need to be having inside of our organizations. Not how can we fire people, how can we save a buck here or there, it's what's going to deliver the best human experience within our business. That's the questions that we need to be asking. Whether that human experience is a customer service uh, experience, is the actual usability of an application, it is the delivering and the uh, transactional experience, whatever it is, we need to make sure that we are focusing on that and not our policy, not on getting our processes and SOPs out the door quicker, better, faster. Do not replace your employees with technology. You will fail. I have seen so many busboy robots, uh, burger-flipping robots, all of these uh, automation that are out here that are going to end up tearing these businesses to the ground. And some people will get it. The innovators out there, just throw a little caution to the wind. Because when the innovators are the loudest ones in the room, and if you're an innovator, listen closely. The innovators are generally the loudest people in the room. And if you allow to have enough innovators being the loudest people in the room and pushing this thing forward, we're not going to think about things like ISO standards. We're not going to think about things like people's jobs. We're not going to be thinking about customer experience. And we're just going to be pushing the new, 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 new. That's a very dangerous thing to have happen. So be careful with that. Guys, let me know what you think about this. Do you think that I am going over uh, over the top a little bit here? Do you think that a human-centered approach needs to be taken in all elements of business? Let me know. Go to YouTube. Hit me in the comments. Let me know what you want to hear. Guys, thanks for listening on all platforms. We're on iTunes, Spotify, all those good things. We are going to start uh, posting to Twitter a little bit more through either spaces or videos. So make sure you guys are checking that out. And thanks for hanging out. This has been the Work Wherever Podcast. If you guys uh, want to... Raise any questions. If you have ever anything you want to send to me, hit them in the comments on all of our socials. Uh, leave us a comment or a review. That is great, greatly uh, appreciated. And uh, until next time, clear. Well, guys, thanks so much for watching and or listening. We have had a great time. Hope you did too. You can find all of the Work Wherever podcast episodes here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or all of your major streaming platforms with new episodes dropping every Monday. Make sure to follow us at Capital Presence on all social platforms to stay up to date with the things all Work Wherever related. See you next week.